Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Billy Sunday Show. We are live streaming on Facebook, and I have my boy, my 13 here. Say hello, 13. Hello, people. And today, the Just topic that we are going to cover is going to be women's rights. We're going to do women's rights, and it's a big day. It's a big day for women's rights. And my guy here, 13, loves women's rights and chicken nuggets, too. And so women's rights and the Billy Sunday show have a lot in common. I am here um, at the behest of all the women in my life. And Billy Sunday uh, very much enjoys um, the company of, you know, his wife, my wife, and everybody. And so really the women's rights, women's rights has always been a big issue for me. And whenever I think of women's rights, the first thing that I think of here um, is women's suffrage. That is the biggest thing that I think of is women's suffrage because women's suffrage is the right to vote. And we live in a political world. And if you don't have the right to vote, well, then you don't really have a whole lot. There's not really a whole lot that you have. So women's suffrage has a long history in America, especially America and Great Britain, we are two countries that are known throughout the world for having very progressive histories of women's rights and women's suffrage. Isn't that right, 13? Very. Very right. That's very right. And so when you look back, um, most of the uh, movements for women's rights started in earnest around the Civil War era. And a lot of people who were abolitionists were also uh, also fought for women's rights. So a lot of the people who were fighting to free uh, the slaves also teamed up with people who were fighting for women's rights and trying to guarantee the vote for women. They, they very much worked hand in hand. And we have a couple big names um, in terms of that era. We have Harriet Beecher Stowe, which was, who was a Connecticut native, which I'm sure a lot of people um, might recognize. Harriet Beecher Stowe and MZ Productions' Eric Mitchell. What's up, guys? Talking about women's rights. Those are just a couple guys who I know are all about women's rights. MZ and Eric Mitchell, my guys out there, my buddies, we all keep it real. We keep it 100 when it comes to women's rights. We keep it 100. Yeah. Right? Chicken nugget? Right. Right? 13? 13. Is it 13 or chicken nugget? Um, 13. Okay, 13. But if you could buy 13 chicken nuggets, you would definitely do I'd that. I'd be very happy. That would make you happy. That's good. We like it when people are happy here. MZ Productions, man, Uncle Tom's Cabin was a book written by Harriet Beecher Stowe, MZ, 
my man up on his intellectual knowledge of Harriet Beecher Stowe. He knows what's good. Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, one of the books that people actually credit with starting the Civil War and was very much uh, a part of American history. Harriet Beecher Stowe lived in Hartford here in Connecticut. And I don't know, have you ever been to the Harriet Beecher Stowe house? 13? Um, No, no, I haven't. Okay. Well, if you grow up in like the Hartford area at some point, they'll probably make you go in or around the Harriet Beecher Stowe house. So a lot of people, especially around here, know Harriet Beecher Stowe. And, um, yeah, that is a hashtag equal rights. That's what we're all about here. Susan B. Anthony, also um, somebody who is very was very influential in women's rights, women's suffrage in that era, the the like eighteen hundreds kind of era. Susan B. Anthony. It's it's hard to overstate uh, just how revolutionary Susan B. Anthony was because. She was a woman who was fighting for women's rights. And it's not like nowadays where you have a very strong movement of women's rights. Back in like the 1800s or whatever, if you were a woman, you couldn't own property. You couldn't vote. You couldn't even like do anything, basically. Like you couldn't like walk out in the street. Yeah, it was very limited back then. Very limited. And so fighting for women's rights in her age was probably something equivalent to fighting for women's rights somewhere in like Saudi Arabia or like some country where women are still very much kept in the house and not allowed to be part of like the everyday social life. That's essentially what Victorian era America was like. Women very much, um, you know, physically forced to be in the house And so for her to stand up and be a champion of women's rights, especially at that time, is pretty huge. It's pretty huge. Um, And she was a member of the uh, Women's Rights Convention, which took place in Worcester, Worcester, Mass. Had the very first, right here in New England, had the very first Women's Rights Convention. So a lot of... A lot of women's rights and women's rights movements are centered here in New England. And a lot of them in Massachusetts, a lot of them take place in or around Boston, Massachusetts. And the uh, big name from that is Susan B. Anthony. A lot of people have probably heard. Have you ever heard of Susan B. Anthony? Um, I've probably heard the name, but not. I don't know much about the person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you probably have, but um, Susan B. Anthony was uh, a reformer. She was an activist. She did a lot of things, and she's basically a woman, a pioneer for women's rights, women's suffrage, and was there through the bitter end. And she is one, I think, one of the fact-check this one, two women on... American currency, Susan B. Anthony and Sacagawea. So, uh, what up, Pivar? What up, bro? 
Um, I know Pivar like Sacagawea. Him and Sacagawea rolled deep because Sacagawea is from out west, out into the into the heartland, and um, that's from my guy Patrick from uh, Midwest Riders. Sacagawea uh, was out in the Midwest, and she was she's on the dollar. She's on that golden dollar. Susan B. Anthony is also. I think she had a dollar coin at some point. So that's just how influential she was is that she's actually on money. Susan B. Anthony, a great American woman um, through all of history. We owe a lot to her, not just women, but all people who enjoy freedoms and liberties in America enjoy a lot to, um, to uh, yeah, to uh, Susan B. Anthony. Susan B. Anthony is part of the reason why we can have fun on this podcast. You know, if it weren't for Susan B. Anthony, I wouldn't be even here on this podcast being able to talk so openly about people calling me names like silly buns, which is, I think that's going to be my new podcast is going to be uh, silly buns. That's just the name of my podcast. So that is uh, silly buns here just talking and it's a little bit silly and um that is just a freedom that I enjoy. I can talk about silly things, say silly buns, and, you know, people think it's funny, and, you know, they don't think, oh, well, I mean, some people probably think that it's kind of stupid, but most people don't really care. And, you know, a lot of these rights and these freedoms, if they weren't fought for by women like Susan B. Anthony, I wouldn't be able to have these kinds of freedoms. So we do not just, you know, women, but I feel that a lot of people in general, men and women, every race, creed, and color, every whatever. Susan B. Anthony, she was, she was cool. I liked, I liked Susan B. Anthony. And um, there were also a lot of women um, fighting not only for women's rights, but also women of color also had a very difficult time and fought for rights. And not just rights like they were fighting to vote but they also had more basic rights like living rights free from being harassed or the threat of death essentially and we have a woman Ida Ida B Wells who was a uh, a woman who fought during the civil during uh she fought for her rights she didn't fight in a war or anything but she fought very much so for her rights during that era, during the turn of the century, post-Civil War era. And she ran a newspaper that was, uh, that fought for women's rights, especially women of color. And she had a bunch of her friends who had been lynched, unfortunately. And she was so just taken aback and distraught that she devoted the rest of her life to fighting for rights for women of color and started an anti-lynching campaign and went on uh, public tours and speaking events for the rest of her life. So Ida B. Wells is also someone who is very influential. Um, and we have a woman, another woman more famous, Sojourner Truth, who was a very well-known public speaker. Sojourner Truth was a public speaker who um, 
had a moment, uh, a religious awakening in which she was renamed Truth. She gave, she, her last name was renamed to Truth. And she was uh, also a public speaker. She went and she spoke with Frederick Douglass and she spoke with a lot of different people. She went all around America touring after the Civil War, talking about women's rights and equal rights for everybody. And she gave up a lot so that we could all be free. And she took part in a, a uh, one convention, particular convention in Ekron, Ohio, where she was actually the only woman to be speaking. And she gave a, a speech about how women aren't really the second or the weaker sex. She said that women are just as strong as men and that women need to be given their shot. And that's one of the most famous speeches um, in, in her time was, was from her. She was very eloquent, very well-spoken, and she definitely had that spirit. She had some kind of spirit. There was a spirit that she had, Sojourner Truth. And we also owe a great debt to her. We owe a great debt to all of the women who fought for freedom for all of us so that we could all be free. Because as long as one person is, isn't allowed to have their rights, then all of us aren't allowed to have our rights. Because we're all, you know, we're all united. We're all one family. So when one person suffers, then we all suffer. When one person doesn't have their rights, we don't have our rights. Yep. This is the United States of America. And we all enjoy these rights and these freedoms because of the people who went before us. Also, Mary Eliza Church Tyrell, one of the first African-American women to enjoy a bachelor's degree, to enjoy a, uh, a college degree. She also was a teacher in one of the first all-black high schools. So she was very much a uh, pioneer in her day and age, a lot of women fighting for rights, not just for women, but for all kinds of people. And we also come at that point, you would, you know, hit just in the history of women's suffrage is this like crash course that I like to do here. The little crash course moment um, in Billy Sunday is the amendment that guaranteed women the right to vote, the 19th Amendment, which was in 1920. We have finally, after a long and arduous journey, the guaranteeing of women's rights, that they could vote and that they could basically become a political force in this country. And Finally, after all of the hatred and all of the discrimination, we have women guaranteed the right to vote. 1920 in America, a big step, a huge step for America and for women and for all people across the world, across the universe. Women getting the right to vote, having a voice, having a political force, having a, a movement a change for good, something that we can see is going to progress, something that will eventually tackle the issues of this world, of everything. And 
that is the one big thing that I ran into when I was researching this show was that how women and girls are very much a driving force in change and can very much solve a lot of the huge issues that we currently are faced with in society. I firmly believe that if we invest in women and girls, that we will see a change in this world, in this country, in this universe for the better. And a lot of that came to fruition a little bit after we have the passing of the 19th Amendment. We have the civil rights era, which is due in large part to women's ability to vote, changing the face of the American political scene forever. We have the Civil Rights Act of the 1960s, which didn't just guarantee women the right to vote, because that was important, but it also guaranteed uh, no discrimination in workplaces, in hiring, and that was huge because, yeah, you can vote, but you can't get a job, and if you do get a job, you're going to be doing the worst job at the lowest pay. So that, that was what women were facing, and it was legal. There was nothing really that could be done about it until the 60s, until John F. Kennedy, rest in peace, set this up, and then his successor, Lyndon B. Johnson, signed the Civil Rights Act, which guaranteed all of these freedoms. And again, these are freedoms that were fought for by women, voted in to reality by women, by all different kinds of people, men and women together. And that was the crowning achievement, I think, in the last, you know, how many million, how how many, you know, maybe a decades since it's been since we've had any real legislation that's done anything good for this country i would say since the civil rights act of 1964 we probably haven't had everything's kind of gone backwards since then we've got a lot of things um that are being repealed or that are being made illegal or things like that that are kind of moving us backwards in terms of social progress in the last you know Maybe the 60s and the 70s were good, but 80s and the 90s and then recently things have just kind of started to to move backwards instead of forwards. And we have, from there, we have a brief history, but also I like to dig deeper than just the history because the history is one side of the coin, the history of women's rights and suffrage and feminism is one side. And the other side is the, uh, the philosophy. What are the ideas? What are the basic outlooks that these people have, these women, men, all different kinds of people, transgender, that make them want to reform, that make them into suffragettes or make them into people fighting for suffrage, suffrage fighters, women's rights activists? What is it exactly? And a lot of it I found to be uh, heavily pragmatic. Um, Pragmatism being basically the utility of 
any anything is its value. As long as something is useful, it is valuable. If something has no use, then it, it is not really that valuable. So basically our world is divided into value, into things that we can and can't use. And that is very much where I fall. I would definitely say I am a pragmatist. I haven't always called myself a pragmatist. I would definitely say, though, I am a pragmatist in as far as I think that practicality and usefulness are things that come first in life. I wouldn't end right there and say that I'm just a pragmatist and that's it and I'm only about using things. But I would say that you have to look at life that way. You have to look at life in a practical way. You have to look at life as how are these things useful for me, for not even for me, because just how are these things useful in general? And then from there, you know, how are they useful for the good of the community? How are they useful for the good of my family? All of these things in a positive way. Bettering your life. It is. Life that you love. Yeah, that's so true because it is all about being better. It's all about being positive, being a change for something that is positive in the world. And that is a lot of what drives the social reformers. And I found a lot of very similar uh, thought, strain of thought of this pragmatism. You know, what can they do? The vote, that is something that is useful. Something that is very practical. A vote, that is something that women can use to gain equal rights. So that is the essential paradigm that I found running through all of the suffrage movement. A lot of American female history was pragmatism, thinking about how they can use certain societal issues like the vote and the Civil Rights Act and the different political leaders of the day to enforce their political views or to basically use them to progress in society. And that is definitely the uh, main thing. One of the most important pragmatists or basically feminist thinkers was a guy, um, John Stuart Mill, who is very, um, he started this thing called utilitarianism and thinking about things from a I don't fact check me on this one really, but from a utility perspective. And uh, that is a lot of the, the reasons why I have the same respect for him is a lot of the reasons why I have the same respect for Susan B. Anthony because, you know, they fought and it's not like they did like some huge thing like they, I don't know, invented the theory of relativity or whatever. But in my mind, what they did was even bigger because they were fighting for women's rights in a Victorian era when women were like, you know, they could be they could be divorced and they could have no right to possession. And if they lost their husband or their husband died, they would be poor and they would have nothing and they would have nothing to take care of their children with and uh, things like rape in a marriage was considered impossible. So if you were married to a husband who was brutal and violent and raped you, you couldn't do anything about it. You literally couldn't do anything about it until recently, actually fairly recently. 
So we're talking about very repressive, violent times against women in the Victorian 1800 era, but you still have Susan B. Anthony and you have this guy, John Stuart Mill, you know, fighting for women's rights, even back in the day, even back when it was not, you know, so easy. Any guy, Bill Cosby, was supposedly fought for women's rights, you know? And uh, he wasn't really fighting for women's rights. He was actually, you know, one of those guys that was, you know, being violent, being uh, violent, not only just physically, but sexually towards women. And he fought for women's rights, you know? So that's kind of the day that we live in. It's like, oh, yeah, everybody's like women's rights. But there was a time when you couldn't even say women's rights. People would start to get upset. You couldn't even talk about women's rights. But there were still people fighting for women's rights. John Stuart Mill was one of them. And the other big uh, influence that I find is Simone de Beauvoir, the existentialist philosopher. She, I think, kind of by default would be considered a pragmatist, but you know, she she had her own existential way of looking at things, and she she essentially said that there were a lot of things going against women. And in The Second Sex, she says that women have a lot of responsibility, too. Don't fact-check me on this one. I'm definitely cliff-noting that. That was the, like, cliff notes I read the Wikipedia page on that one, if you can't tell. Simone de Beauvoir, um, she's worth a read if you're really heavy into feminism and women's rights. It is uh, definitely, you definitely got to get into Simone, Simone de Beauvoir, existentialist thinker. I am not doing anywhere near as much credit as she is due because she is probably one of, if you think of Jean-Paul Sartre, who was her husband, he would never have had all of his amazing novels and views and points if it weren't for her. So she really was the the brains behind Sartre. And if it weren't for her, there would have been no him. And if it weren't for him, then there probably wouldn't have been modern existentialism. So in a sense, Simone de Beauvoir is herself the grandmother of existentialism. So uh, I'll, I'll give a tip of the hat to her on that one because she really, she was, um, in my mind, she just has like this vibe, you know? It's like you read her work and it's like she just has this good vibe. There's like, it's hard to for me to put it any other way, but like I vibe out with de Beauvoir. She's, she's cool. And from Simone de Beauvoir, there are also a couple other um, philosophers. There's Jane Addams, who was essentially just a pragmatist. She influenced Dewey in what is to become the academic school of pragmatism. Her views and what she said in terms of a strictly philosophical way aren't really that set in stone. She's more known as the mother of social work. She fought for women's rights, women's right to vote, and she um, 
she is known mostly because she says that women should be in government because women know how to do things around the house and that working around the house, how to take care of a home is just a small example of how to take care of the country. And that women, if they were allowed more so to be in the government, would actually be better at it than men. And I think that that is very true. I think that women, you know, maybe just by the fact of the roles that society puts them in, are better at doing certain things within government. And they should definitely be allowed to because as we see now, the the um, especially, you know, in certain parts of the country, women being in positions of power and in government is still still very much in the minority. So Jane Adams, she was back she was in the same time as uh as Susan B. Anthony and uh the eighteen hundreds, that whole very first wave of feminism and reformers. And we also have the infamous Ayn Rand, who I am almost guilty by association for talking about. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to really talk about Ayn Rand because she's just so like out there that I do feel guilty by associating, even mentioning her on my show. So we're just going to skip Ayn Rand because I don't even, I don't, she's just not worth going into. If you know, if you know her, if you know about her, then you know why I'm saying this. And if you don't know about her, then don't even go into it. It's probably not even worth it. Because she really is. And, and like there are really a lot of philosophies where you can get sucked into. And I've definitely been down that road a few times. I've been down the dark hole that is bad philosophy, which is very deep and very hard to pull yourself out of. Learn from my mistakes. Don't read any Ayn Rand. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And so that, you know, that I think that heavy kind of pragmatism, but not just pragmatism, but a pragmatism based on pro- progress, a pragmatism based on uh, a personal kind of positive work. And um, here we have a, a beautiful woman here also who I wanna, want to say hello, Sasha Savage, my uh, wife, say hello. Hello. She's um, she has strolled into the studio today, and uh, yeah. So you know, I got I got one live and in the flesh here, so that's good. Yeah, um, I wish I had a room mic. You know, I I wish I had another like room mic because then I could just mic up the room and we could just have like all the little hijinks that always happen whenever you film a live show. You know, there's always just a little. Little things that go on. It's just doesn't do justice unless uh, you know, I got everybody everybody's voice. I need everybody's voice on the show. And we have we have women, we have men, we have all different kinds of people that are fought for by women in women's rights. It's very important that we have women's rights right now and just supporting women because we're coming into an age where it's just so vital that women's voices are heard and especially when 
we've been in a time where women's voices have not been heard, so it's definitely important. I support any woman that is also running for any of the presidential elections coming up. And no, bro Winfrey. Um, no, but I think there is a woman that has recently put her hat in. So very proud, and I just want to say keep up the good work, women out there, and we support you and love you. That's right. We do. And there are a lot of women and a lot of women's issues in contemporary America, which is where we're going right now. Um, and if you're just listening, if you're just tuning into the show, this is The Freedom Highway, the Billy Sunday show here with 13, my guy. Hello. And uh, we also had a guest spot, guest surprise appearance by Sasha, the lovely Sasha. And uh, it is about one thirty-two, and the date is January 26th. Shout out to uh, any birthdays today. Uh, hint, hint. My birthday is actually tomorrow. Not like it really matters, but I'm uh, going to be 32 years young. Anyway, my birthday is... A good segue into reproductive rights, um, the right to have a child, the right to have somebody who has a birthday, or really reproductive rights is actually the opposite of that. It's the right to not have a child, and it's the right to be able to plan your pregnancy and the right to be able to plan uh, the birth of a child in different ways, and also family planning once it, it does happen to have support for the family. And, you know, reproductive rights center around a few issues. There's the access of abortions, and there is also contraceptions, the access of, and also the um, knowledge uh, or uh, sex ed classes being given in class. Have you experienced any of this? Have you, you're too young to be in sex ed, right? That's probably next year when you're in high school, freshman, soon. So I won't go into the nitty-gritty details. I'll spare you the nitty-gritty. Um, but, yeah, reproductive rights are basically not the rights to have children because anybody can have a kid. It's the right to plan when you're going to have a kid. Because in America, we kind of enjoy these freedoms that were fought for by a lot of people. But um, in other countries, they aren't so set in stone. And I was actually we're doing a little research. You know me, I research all the time. Um, and I came up with some facts about this. And that there are 800 women who died daily from preventable complications with pregnancy and childbirth. 800 women a day die just because we live in a time when medical access and care is very much segregated to the amount of disposable income you have or your community at large has. So, you know, that's a th almost a thousand women a day who die from stuff that could have been easily prevented because of a complication during pregnancy or childbirth. That's a thousand women a day that die. Another number that kind of shocked me was that in about 80 countries, same-sex marriages or even just relationships in general are illegal. So in 80 countries, you can't be gay. 
Yeah. That kind of blew my mind, too. It's like, really? They still have, like, laws like that on the books? I don't know. I guess so, you know? I guess, you know, the world isn't maybe as far advanced as, as we here in America like to think. But that's why we're here on the show, because I want to make people aware of what's really going on. Because as I researched deeper and deeper into women's rights, I saw that it wasn't just an issue of just women and women's rights. It's an issue of all of us. And it's about an issue of women around the world now. Maybe back in 1890, it was about women in America getting the right to vote. But those times have passed and the civil rights era has passed. And now when one woman is not given her rights, then all women aren't given our rights. So we as women or men who support women or as any transgender identity that you want to identify with support women, we now need to bridge that gap from women, not just here, but also women all over the world, all over the universe, women together, working together. And that was just, you know, that's just some that's just some numbers that blew my mind, you know, because it's not just here. It's not just in America where women's rights are really the, the sole focus. It's it's mostly in the third world and in the world where, you know, they know that they should have these rights because they watch TV and they read the history books about women getting the right to vote. And in their country, they might even have the quote unquote right to vote, but it's probably just in name only. And I mean, there's a lot of that going on in America too, especially recently. Um, We've had a lot of rollback, a lot of uh, progression that has been slowed or stopped or even reversed. A good example of that is this uh, law that I recently learned about called the gag law, where we don't fund anything in the international community because America gives a lot of money to international countries. We always have, we always, you know, we're like the world police. We give our money to all kinds of people, but we won't give money to, and this is just with the recent conservative government. We won't give money to countries who support in any way reproductive rights like contraception or abortion. And actually, in the most recent one, they've expanded it to be even people who don't, uh, who support HIV awareness and things like this. So it's actually something about $10 billion worth of aid that is now being cut off from the rest of the world. And this is called the gag law, and it's it's very much a partisan law. It's very much a law that is, uh, when there's a Democratic government, it gets repealed. When there's a Republican, you know, the, the party who will not be named, um, when they get into power, then it all of a sudden gets reinstated. So... It's just one of these silly little things that is so, so symptomatic of America's uh, dichotomy that we have of left and right and gay and straight and black and white and this and that and blue and red. And so we all suffer from that 
And not only people here, not only you and me, 13, but people and women all across the world suffer from America's divisiveness. If America could get together, and I think really if, especially in this issue, if American women and the people who support them could get together, because there are women and people who support them in both the conservative and liberal camps, if we could get together, we could make this world a way better place. And that brings me to what I found to be one of my uh, most kind of, I don't know how to put it, influential things, something that just kind of influenced me right away that just caught my eye was this TED Talk that I saw um, on the website globalfundforwomen.org and, you know, Britannica britannicaalso.com. Uh, and as always, the Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy. But this one is really good, the globalfundforwomen.org. Check out that website if you're interested in doing something for women's rights around the world, globalfundforwomen.org. There's a really good TED Talk on it uh, by this woman, Musimbi Kanyoro. Probably, you know, didn't really hit that one right. But she gives this talk about this thing in her country called Isrika. Isrika. You'll have to look up the TED Talk for exactly how to pronounce it. But it's basically like this pragmatic idea that is called mutual generosity, where we all work together to achieve something practical, something useful, but we do it for the betterment of the community. And that is like, and for me, that just like, just grabbed something in the very core of my, the very fiber of my being and was like, yes, that is like giving a word to everything that I felt. And it was Isrika, Isrika. And that you have a lot of women who took place, who were philanthropists, basically the whole community would get together, they would put in, you know, whatever contribution they could. Everyone would be given a contribution, even the children. They would all be given whatever it was, 50 cents. They'd put it in the box, and they'd write their name on the piece of paper as a uh, contributor in every little part of this society they would go to. And when they got the group together, and they had the funds and everything, then they would sit and they would figure out you know, what issue, and it could be any issue in the community, are they dealing with? And she talked about how they, you know, they would start schools and do things for the community, and they even sent someone from this small village to a university to become a surgeon. So we have all kinds of great things coming out of the um, Isrika and this this idea that this woman had. uh, Well, it it was kind of like a... Uh, a value that was held by her her community and um, that she was passing on to us. And I felt very, very almost lucky, but not lucky isn't the right word, but just very touched by what this woman was saying. And I just knew that she had to have gone through a lot of struggle and that she was still there fighting the good fight. And that um, was very powerful. So definitely check that out. Musimbi Kanyoro, TED Talk, Isrika. Girl and women-led organizations are going to change 
this whole world that is that is another thing i'm saying right now once we invest heavily in organizations led by women and not only women but led by girls organizations led by girls young women 16 17 years old young women leading the way that is what i think is going to change a lot of society and you know that's probably could be just me it could just be billy sunday here with 13 Give me a shout out, 13. My boy, Billy Sunday. Check him out. Check me out. Could just be me, but I know in my my heart of heart that it's not, and it's about women, and it's not just about investing in women or future capital or whatever, but it's about women reaching out and those who support them to other women and other supporters of women throughout the world, and that this will be done through these organizations led by women and girls. So that that is just me. That's just Billy Sunday, but it's my show. So I get to say what I want on the Freedom Highway because I'm free. And I'm free. I'm free falling. All right. That was my last little ditty for you guys. All righty. So we're going to peace out. Say, say peace out. Peace out. Peace out, everybody. I hope everybody has a good afternoon. Billy Sunday show is now signing off. Have a good afternoon. Just like Jack the Ripper Just like